0: You're listening to the On the Go with VAO News podcast for the week ending October 16th, 2015.
1: Welcome back to our weekly recap of the top headlines from this week's Daily Acquisition News. Thank you for joining us today. I am Bill Olver, VAO content developer and senior news writer.
0: And I'm Bill's colleague, content developer and fellow news writer, Dara Curran.
1: This week, the Office of Federal Procurement Policy and GSA publicly released some long awaited guidance on category management. We'll talk about that later, a bit more in depth, but first let's recap some headlines.
0: The final set of agency priority goals for the last year of President Obama's administration have been released. The 92 goals, which are listed on performance.gov, cover a wide range of core issues. 40% are entirely new, and naturally we're seeing increased emphasis on cybersecurity. There's a new approach being put in place, too, to get these implemented. OMB and the Performance Improvement Council have launched a new leaders' delivery network. That's 25 senior government officials, each assigned to championing certain goals. The group will hold by monthly meetings through roughly November 2016 to discuss ways to implement goals and the challenges they've run into. The Government Accountability Office has done an assessment of agencies' use of bridge contracts, those supposed to be short-term vehicles that bridge a gap between service contracts. GAO identified a couple of issues with use of these, the first being that only two agencies actually have a definition of bridge contracts and policies that are specifically aimed at addressing them. Otherwise, there's no definition in the FAR, and there's no commonly held government-wide definition. Since bridge contracts, for all intents and purposes, don't even exist, according to government terminology, there's also no way to reliably track them. And that's definitely something the government wants to do, GAO said, because since they're awarded without competition as a temporary measure until a competitive process can be completed, the prices are usually higher. Now with agency help and a special strategy for searching FPDSNG, GAO was able to tease out a sample of 73 contracts. Most were indeed ultimately competed with savings as high as 34% over the bridge contract realized. Another issue is the period of contract performance and the total listed value in records wasn't always a true reflection of the cost or duration until a new contract could be competitively awarded. Because most agencies don't have a well-defined process in place for tracking those contracts, what might initially look like a six-month contract at, say, half a million dollars sometimes would be extended or awarded again. So the total cost and ultimate time span was much higher. In fact, although most of the 73 contracts showed periods of performance of six months or less, 29 ended up extending beyond the six-month period, and a third of those actually lasted over two years. A range of causes contributed to the use of bridge contracts, but the most prevalent one was late completion of documentation needed to solicit follow-on contracts, particularly statements of work coming from the program office. Those often came in late or they required many revisions before being ready for use. Workforce problems, such as frequent turnover or inexperienced staff, as well as bid protests and budget uncertainty, also contributed. GAO recommended that the Office of Federal Procurement Policy develop a standard definition for bridge contracts and incorporate it into relevant FAR sections, and in the interim, provide guidance to agencies on ways to track and manage their use of these contracts.
1: White House Senior Advisor Todd Park says the U.S. Digital Service and General Services Administration's 18F groups will continue to increase staffing through 2016, eventually expanding to a total of some 500 employees between them by the end of the next year. The extra personnel will better enable the teams to serve a wider range of federal agencies and may give the administration's digital initiatives enough oomph to survive the transition to the next presidential administration. Recently on the podcast, we talked about the concept of acquisition risk and how so far that idea has had only some vague definition. Uh, we had one example of how the TSA chief information officer is allowing a contract for IT support services to expire to force the retirement of a legacy system in favor of cloud services. And today we have another good example, um, also from the 18F team. 18F is experimenting with the use of micro-purchase authority to buy software code, now micro-purchase authority authority allows purchase card holders to buy products and services valued less than $3500 and 18F will use that authority to buy software code in part to see if making smaller purchases is a viable way to engage small businesses and non-traditional contractors the experiment also will test 18F's theory that relying on open source code can improve how they buy digital services Open source software is not proprietary. Anyone can see how applications are written, which makes it easier for someone with the right skills to add or modify the code. The offer will be posted on GitHub with an opening bid of $3,499, $1 below the threshold, and vendors will have the option to bid down the price. Whoever has the lowest bid at closing time will have 10 working days to ship the code necessary to satisfy the criteria. If the criteria are met, the vendor gets paid. If they are not met, the next lowest bidder will get 10 working days to ship the code. Hmm. Now, it's interesting. Exactly, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and H acknowledges the idea might not work. Uh, their theory is that vendors can create viable, useful code for a price below the micro purchase threshold. But if they're wrong, it's an inexpensive experiment, and they'll go back to the drawing board with some lessons learned. So another another. Uh, thought about acquisition risk
0: nice Uh, yeah and for low dollars great that's so smart
1: and finally while we're discussing digital services we're going to do something a little out of the ordinary and toot the ASI horn for a moment so there you go the office of management and budget has announced that a team comprised of ASI government and ICF international is the winner of the digital service contracting professional training and development program challenge The goal of the competition was to develop a specialized training for digital services acquisitions, which will be used to add a digital service core plus specialization for contracting professionals in the FACC program. And now that the winners have been announced, ASI and ICF will work with the Office of Federal Procurement Policy and U.S. Digital Service to pilot their training program with 30 federal contracting professionals. The six-month pilot will launch next week on October 20th and will test the program design concepts and hopefully produce the first cadre of certified digital service contracting experts. After the trial is completed and lessons learned are captured and incorporated, the final program design will be provided to federal acquisition training institutions for implementation. So be on the lookout for new digital services contracting training from ASI and ICF.
0: The Air Force has selected six firms for the small business set-aside portion of its cybersecurity and information systems technical area tasks contract, a five-year IDIQ program worth up to $5 billion. The contract focuses on software analysis, information assurance, knowledge management and information sharing, and modeling and simulation. The six firms will compete for task orders with an estimated value of $3.5 million or less. Awards in the full and open competition are yet to come. The Department of Defense has extended the comment period for a proposed rule that would amend the DFARS regarding the submission of other than cost or pricing data, which is required to be submitted on certain procurements to help determine price reasonableness. Section 831 of the 2013 National Defense Authorization Act requires DOD to issue guidance on use of this authority, and DOD has extended the comment period through November 13th to provide additional time for interested parties to submit their input. On November 2nd, the Office of Federal Procurement Policy and Federal Acquisition Institute will open the Acquisition Workforce Competency Survey for fiscal 2016. Acquisition Workforce members are invited to participate in the survey, which will be used to assess the capabilities and training needs of the workforce within both program area and certification level. It's totally confidential, and you'll get one CLP for completing it. It'll be available on the FAI website from November 2nd through December 11th.
1: As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, OFPP and GSA have released their guidance to agencies on implementing category management across government. Now, the rationale for category management is all things we've heard before. Uh, Government contracting is fragmented. It's too complex. It lacks transparency. It's hard for new vendors, especially smaller startups, to jump into the market. Uh, Processes are too slow. They're too costly. Uh, Agencies pay wildly disparate prices for the same items or services. There's unnecessary duplication and contracts. Um, So that's the the background on category management, what the the administration is trying to accomplish. And there are a number of underlying principles for category management. The key point really is shifting government to a buying-as-one mentality. Uh, Currently, agency and component-level spending are siloed. Agencies don't share price information or best practices. Of course, they can't share purchases to bring down costs except through strategic sourcing. Um, So through strategic sourcing and category management, the administration wants to centralize a big amount of spending, commodity products, commodity services, areas where every agency is spending a lot of money.
0: Right. Well, and, you know, that is a good point to bring up here. The concept is not entirely new to government. Strategic sourcing been around for a good decade or so, right? And category management is a logical extension of that. But it's not assembling a few contracts for commodity items. It's gathering the expertise also, centralizing management of the contracts and that expertise and best practices and know-how. In fact, Category Management Leadership Council is just rebranded Strategic Sourcing Leadership Council. So new name, same idea.
1: Right. It's, it's not a radical change. And, and as management is centralized, that's not to say that agencies won't have their own autonomy. Uh, but the category hallways will have subject matter experts to help answer questions, frame acquisitions. Uh, hallways will show existing contracts available to agencies for their purchasing requirements. Um, we'll see things like, eventually, a statement of work libraries, sample RFPs, uh, tools that standardize processes and help agencies save time. And, of course, time is money. Through category management, uh, government will be able to do things like optimize existing contract vehicles, improve data collection and analysis, uh, leverage industry expertise and relationships, uh, maximize customer insights, customer relationships, and also grow and share expertise. It's a very collaborative uh, environment that OFPP and GSA are envisioning. And of course the other benefits are what we all want all the time, cost savings, reduced risk, improved uh, improved performance and increased innovation.
0: Right. Yeah, it, it... Not reinventing the wheel on a very, very grand scale. Right, <laughs> <So>. right. right. <laughs> and and agencies we've had for so long. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and sticking it in one place. So you know, uh, it's a smart idea. And agencies are going to have their own role to play as well. Uh, OFPP and the Council, they're going to be providing strategic guidance and implement category management. The agencies themselves are going to be assigned to lead the centers of excellence. So far, we've got OMB, GSA, DOD, and the Office of Personnel Management uh, all. Uh, helming various categories. As needed a procurement agency will be selected by the category manager and they'll be charged with managing all aspects of the acquisition sourcing process. So in that role the procurement agency will be providing functional and technical expertise leading efforts to develop government wide category best in class solutions, gathering up business requirements and then establishing a cross functional team to develop an acquisition strategy that best fulfills those requirements. They'll also manage the acquisition solution throughout the life cycle in coordination with the category team and support data capture and analysis for category management, you know, furthering. They'll also involve industry in advance of developing acquisition solutions to ensure that industry best practices are incorporated as well.
1: Right, right. So this is not just a GSA project or an OMB mandate uh, coming down to agencies. The, the foundation of the management structure that's defined in the guidance um, involves agencies at the hands-on implementation level where their expertise is greatest. Um, it's not just GSA-awarding contracts. It's going to be other agencies participating in leading these, you know, co-leading some of these categories. Uh, so the process itself is encouraging cross-agency collaboration, knowledge sharing, feedback, uh, things like that. It's not a GSA customer relationship that's being created here uh, because other agencies are going to be leading a number of the acquisitions.
0: Right, it's sort of like GSA is building the building, and you know, <laughs> he just keeps moving right, in to right. rent a studio apartment or a two bedroom right. as their needs, right. <laughs> as their needs dictate. So. <laughs> and and also, this is a cross-agency priority goal, right? Big stuff. OFP administrator Anne Rung and Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition, Technology, and Logistics Frank Kendall—they are leading that goal. So we have representation from both civilian and defense sides advocating this, pushing it forward.
1: And, and we do have some results uh, already coming out. Uh, you know, GSA is touting a few things that, that, are, that are unfolding under category management. Uh, GSA just launched the new professional services schedule, which has been in the works all year, and that consolidated eight different schedule contracts into one contract or one schedule, the professional services schedule, Uh, vendors who had multiple contracts on various schedules now have only one contract to manage, as does GSA, uh, which saves time and money. And overall, GSA eliminated more than 700 contracts across those eight schedules. Wow. And GSA also, under category management, awarded the Government Wide Identity Monitoring, Data Breach Response, and Protection Services, BPA, which was developed collaboratively by an interagency team of experts. And as just one example of GSA using category management, which is encouraging collaboration to develop the requirements, and the end result creating a contract that allows government to leverage its buying power in a single area of spend.
0: That that was a good opportunity to really put this into action because people were in such an emergency response mode right. that they just oh, we're pitching in Zoom, you know, without thinking about um, I guess maybe anybody's traditional territory or whatever. Right. Um, so that that was that was a fortuitous timing of that terrible thing that happened. Yes. Basically.
1: So GSA was ready. Right. Right. The, they the, were. They this, were poised
0: is, for that to, to happen. So they, they had the platform to launch off of. So, you know, the only thing I'm wondering about is that, you know, what what where is the stick that's gonna prod people into this? You know, the government Agencies are necessarily—I don't really want to use the term inertia—but there, there's that kind of cultural acclimation. It's because there's so many rules in government acquisition; you sort of stick to the processes that you know, right? So, how will GSA and OFPP get agencies to move into their building and rent a studio apartment or two-bedroom condo? You know, like we have agencies. Sure, they're going to lead the centers of excellence, but what's going to, you know, bring everybody in to use the category hallways themselves? Yeah, that's
1: and that's. Yeah, that's a that's a question. Anytime government tries to do any kind of acquisition reform, and and especially now we're talking, what fifteen months left in the administration, right? It could I, totally I, be overhauled. Sure, I'm sure. I'm sure there's there's you know a few a few uh, more than one contracting officer out there going, yeah, I'm just going to wait the timer timer on and. Right? <laughs> We'll see see if the next president wants me to bother. Uh, But so far, so far, this is just right now a top-down administration priority. Um, The guidance didn't include any mandates um, or suggest what those might be, Uh, but it is, again, a top-down administration priority. This is a big investment, uh, and we have a lot of agencies working on the implementation, so this is not – Going to be something that is going. It's not going to escape notice um, at individual, at agencies, or in, in contracting offices. I don't think this is something that anyone's going to be able to skate away from. This certainly has the has the the uh, the sound of permanence to me, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw additional guidance from OMB. Uh, giving more direction on how and when agencies should be using the hallways and what those requirements are going to be. And maybe asking even for things like implementation plans, what are your plans for using the hallway? What are your, you know, is it going to be part of an employee development plan or their performance reviews, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, asking them to share their own best practices uh, for certain categories or even share their statements of work or RFPs, you know, documents like that where agencies have had good experiences or success stories. In, in categories of spend where that should be shared across government. So we'll be on the lookout for that. I, I wouldn't, again, would not be at all surprised to see uh, definitely more coming from OMB on that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, good. And again, now there's the place to, to have it. I think that was one of the things with strategic sourcing, why for a decade they've been banging that drum, and yet there was really – Sporadic and intermittent uptake on it. Certain things where it really lent itself well, and certain things where it didn't. But you know, this is a it just again the sort of the building metaphor there. It's all housed right. in one place. You know where to start looking for stuff. You know, and right. and I, right. I so I think that that could really make a difference here in actually seeing more widespread uptake.
1: Right, right. And with strategic sourcing, when we saw the success stories, you know, with you know, some agencies, the DOD was one. I, I, they made it a top-down priority. Mm-hmm. It, it came from above, and there was an awful lot of guidance and an awful lot of pushing. There wasn't a mandate, oh, you have to use this BPA, until it came from at the agency level. And and that that's the thing is with this also is there's there's not a requirement that, you know, your, your agency has to go in and only buy computer laptops off this contract or those handful of contracts. It's going to the, – the category hallways are going to show you, here are the contracts available to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, help – you know, ask questions, guide the answer, which is the best one to buy what you're looking for. Right. So and and
0: yeah. if you want your own, oh, here's an RFP template that we have used and it worked out well and you can adapt it yourself. So,
1: right, yeah, right. there'll be expertise there to help you make help contracting officials make the decision, um, which with the brain drain that you know, we keep hearing about the retirement wave. Um, you know, we, we keep hearing so many you know, such a large percentage of the acquisition workforce is eligible for retirement now and in the very near future, Um, this kind of expertise is going to be very important to the next generation of the workforce and and even, you know, to mid-career people that are moving up um, that maybe don't have hands-on experience with a certain kind of contract.
0: Absolutely. Super good point about capturing the institutional knowledge that is otherwise just going to uh, be retiring to Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. So uh, that's all we have for this week. I encourage our listeners to take a look, closer look at that guidance. It has a lot of good information about, uh, again, the rationale and the background for why the administration is making category management a priority, and it breaks down the roles and responsibilities of OFPP, the Leadership Council, the category management uh, managers, the category teams and commodity teams, and also individual agencies and GSA So it's a a good read, and we'll be sure hearing more from OMB about that very soon. Um, If you're a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you can find links to the headlines we discussed today for further reading on VAO on the same page where you downloaded this podcast, and you can also comment about the podcast. We'd love to have your feedback on the format or content or anything else you would like to tell us.
0: So tune in again next Friday, October 23rd, for another Weekly News Recap. Thanks for joining us.